Good evening. You are listening to a Rattledgen Broadcasting Premier Podcast TV party tonight. I'm your host, the Heartbreak Kid, Mark Rattledge. And tonight, our favorite shows are Terminus 2 and Prestige slash West Coast Pro Wrestling present Savage Mode. And I am joined by fellow indie cider. He is taking over. Oh, my God. Look at the adjective. Play. It's big, sexy Harry Broadhurst. How do you do, sir? All right, I feel like it's uh, almost mandatory that we do this at the start of this podcast, given the fact that we took the name that we did. Uh, rest in peace, Scott Hall. Rest in peace, Scott Hall. I want. Um, I've seen now a couple of different t-shirt shops doing the um, uh, the bad times don't last, but bad but bad guys do. Different versions of that t-shirt. I haven't found one I'm committed to paying for an overpriced t-shirt for, but I want that on a t-shirt. Um, I tell you, going back and if I can just spend a minute on this, uh, you brought it up, going back and listening to his Hall of Fame speech after he passed. I don't cry at every wrestler death. I certainly lost my crap when Owen Hart passed away. And um, there's been a handful of others. The dark side of the ring on Eddie and Chris. Um, I was an emotional wreck. I I lost it. With, with Scott Hall this past weekend, um, his unfortunate passing. So rest in peace, Scott Hall. You are in forever my favorite bad guy. Did you see the one meme that made the rounds? It was arguably the best one I've seen. Um, Is it the, the one Reaper where he's in heaven? For- oh, no. I saw the one where he's in heaven. It's all the other wrestlers at the gates of heaven. And he's like, you know who I am, but you don't know why I'm here or something like that. That's, that's pretty solid. It's um, mm. So the Reaper comes for him. Mm-hmm. And Scott asked, was I a bad guy? Was I a bad guy, mine? And the Reaper says, no, you were the bad guy. Our friend uh, and your bracket producer, having listened back to the quiz show review we did today, Randy Isbell says, bad times don't last, but bad brackets do. Right, Harry? <laughs> okay, that's some bullshit well, between you guys. I don't know what's going on here. Because <laughs> over on Point of Viewer, which we're taping right after we're done here on... Uh, mm-hmm. The Indie Side with Episode 5. Uh, we're doing the greatest sports movie of all time tournament. Cool. And right. that that rant, that rant bitch didn't put Talladega Nights in. Terrific. Let's get started uh, with Terminus 2, which took place on February 24th, 2022 uh, in Atlanta, Georgia. I wanted to talk about this one. One, because it looked like it was heavily African-American influence, kind of like the House of Glory show that we did when we started this mess. Uh, so I was interested in that. Uh, I wanted to see uh, whenever, when, and I don't know if that's the Terminus promotion in and of itself, or this just happened to have a lot of uh, black wrestlers on it. But that's something when it, when it does occur and I am able to watch, it's something that I'm interested in. Uh, what do you know about Terminus? Owned by Jonathan Gresham and co-operated by his wife Jordan Grace. Okay. Uh, Jordan 
Jordan was on the first show, but was not on the second one here. Uh, Gresham is on this show. He's in the main event. We'll get to that in a little bit here. If you look um, at the artwork, I know it's very Black Panther influenced that they just decided to do that um, as a lark, or is there something more to it? I would imagine it's probably because Gresham's a big comic book guy. Okay. And it was February, Black History Month, yada, 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 I'm guessing. You're right. Okay. Yeah. Um, the card did get uh, changed a little bit, and we'll talk more about that as well uh, for the Savage Mode show that we're going to do because you'll notice our graphic for Savage Mode. The person <laughs> in the graphic for the show wasn't on the show. That is like the second time we've done this where we've selected a show for a specific wrestler appearance, and that wrestler is not on said show. Still on the poster, That's though. That's okay. That's okay because his replacement ended up doing really well in his stead. So we'll talk about that in a bit as well. All right, let's get into it. Uh, in the first match on Terminus 2, we had Invictus Cash defeating Adam Priest with a rear naked choke uh, KO at a minute and 10 of round three. Um, what did you think of this Invictus Cash Adam Priest match? All right, so I'm vaguely familiar with Adam Priest. I, I've seen a little bit of his stuff in New South. So, like, I don't have a ton of experience with him. This was my first time seeing Invictus Cash. Mm -hmm. And it's a different take on the uh, on the Iranian character than we've seen in the past. This one, he's not so much a stereotype like Sheiky was. Mm -hmm. uh, solid wrestler. Uh, didn't cut any kind of promo work or anything. But in fairness, I don't think there was a whole lot of talking at all on this show, which is one of the uh, nice things about Terminus is the fact that they tend to do most of their promo stuff in the build-up to the show rather than having it at the show itself. Yeah, that was, one like, thing I noticed about, that was one thing I noticed about this Terminus show, too, is that it was, I mean, it's eight matches, almost three hours long, and it was, like, solid wrestling, 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 wrestling. Yeah, the only breaks in the action really were for, like, video packages or, like, hype montages and stuff. There wasn't any, like, actual. I think the only time we had an in-ring segment was at the very end of the show after the main event, and that's set to set up something for down the road. Yep. Uh, I thought it was okay. Um, it doesn't really stand out to me. I watched it, and... <laughs> I was kind of watching it while I was doing something else. And so I would kind of look over. If they were doing indie wrestling stuff, I would look back to what I was doing. To be fair, this was the pre-show match. So this was just yeah. an opportunity to try to secure some last-minute buys for the Fight TV live presentation. I believe this aired on YouTube to try to get... Uh, and Facebook, you know, yeah. And face yeah, okay. All right. In the opening match here on the main card, we had Chris Saban winning a four-way terminal eliminator against Trey Lamar. Um, who pinned Kenny Alfonso with a froggy bow at nine minutes and 36. Lee, um, uh, Leon, Leon Ruff Ruff. pinned Lamar with an SB cutter at 1343. And then Saban pinned Ruff with the cradle shock at 1445. Okay. Go ahead. I have to, I have to explain my, uh, my typing there. SB is short for springboard. Gotcha. <laughs> I'm just reading probably it off the paper here. <laughs> probably should have told you that in advance. My bad. Yeah. Uh, right. Leon, Ruff, Leon Ruff used a springboard cutter to pin Trey Listen, Lamar. Nobody's um, coming here. Hang on. Nobody's coming here for the in-depth wrestling move-to-move -move analysis that I'm going to give. They're here for the hot takes. Go ahead. I mean, you're you're probably not wrong. Um, <laughs> So the, the, four, the terminal eliminator is set up by Terminus in order to allow people to pick and choose their own matches. Okay. going forward so they had Saban win here and then I'm sure they'll do something to set up Saban's next opponent don't be surprised if they set up Saban versus Shelley for Terminus 3 I think that would be a fun one I, that'd be a, a fight between the former oh gosh the uh, Motor City Machine Guns Motor City Machine Guns mm -hmm. 
Um, so what's the deal with Chris Saban now? Is he still with Impact or is he just floating around yes. the Indies or what? He just came back to Impact, actually. Him and uh, Shelly wrestled Jay White and Chris Bay on the main event of an episode of Impact like two weeks ago. That's cool. Uh, I like this match. It was it was fun to see Leon Ruff again. I never I didn't like Leon Ruff too much. I felt like they were doing sort of a reinvention of the one, two, three kid stuff. I agree. He was on NXT and I didn't love it, especially because the guy that was supposed to be the Razor Ramon of that was freaking Johnny Gargano, Johnny Gargano, who was also three feet tall. So, you know, I it didn't really Jesus. work. <laughs> it didn't really work for me. Uh, but here in this environment where they're not necessarily playing on his height and he's just able to be a little wrestler um and he's in there with chris saban who's not exactly a giant either uh i thought this uh, i thought it was a pretty fun match uh, i don't know much too much about trey lamar or kenny alfonso though trey lamar i'm very familiar with because of aiw he's a graduate of the aiw wrestling school so i've gotten to see lamar over the last couple of years develop and progress and honestly i think Trey's going to be one of those guys that's going to break out over the course of 2022, just because everything he does in the ring is so fluid. The only thing that Trey has an issue with is Trey is not the most personable person mm. on the microphone, but in a promotion like Terminus, that's not going to matter. Um, you know, he might be somebody that benefits from a mouthpiece, especially if he want, if he's got any shot of maybe getting to, you know, Impact or AEW. The double handspring back drop kick that he did was really nice too. Yeah, I you know the one thing about both of these shows, especially compared to the one we did prior to this, um, the wrestling itself seemed more solid. It, you know, I, I didn't notice, and maybe I, I just needed to be looking with a keener eye. But for me, it didn't seem like it was spot, 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 spot. It looked like they were actually working in there. I'm not going to say that it was like shooter esque work, but I feel like. As average wrestling goes, none of it looks so preposterous that I have to come here and now complain. It was, it was, if if they had had a better crowd and a bigger building, I, like even my wife like kind of passed by the screen. She's like, "Oh, what are you watching?" And I was like, "This this indie fed called Terminus 2. I'm like, "Huh, this looks this looks professionally shot," you know, as opposed to like the XPW show where it looked like it was on a, <laughs> it looked like it was on someone's cell phone. So I think the thing with Terminus is here, and uh, something I noticed as well, mm -hmm. is it's very heavily Ring of Honor influenced, if that makes sense. Oh, it totally does. In both, and, it, and it felt that way. And in both the presentation of the show, as mm -hmm. well as the in-ring product, you can definitely see the Gresham influence on the show itself. Yeah, it's, I think it's one of the reasons why uh, I, I liked it as much as I did when I was finally done watching it. Moving on to match number three, we have Queen Aminata versus yeah! versus Killa Kate. Killa Kate uh, with a roll-up reversal at 7.58. Um, I did not love this match. They, I don't know if I'd go as far as to call them klutzy, maybe a little awkward, maybe a little still trying to figure some things out. Well, it works. I, I, it, this, this seemed like they're still in wrestling school. That's how this felt to me. I, I like Amanata's gimmick. Mm -hmm. She is not great in the ring yet. She'll get yeah. there because uh, she's somebody that's only like two years into her career. Okay. That, so that makes the, sense. the more she, the more experience she gets, the better she's going to become. Killer Kate honestly did nothing to impress me in this match. Amanata yeah. I've seen before, and I have been more impressed from her in other performances. I just chalked this up to a situation where two people who didn't know each other very well and the match came off kind of clumsy as a result, a little disjointed. Yeah, I, I would tend to agree with that. 
All right. In the next match, we have Dante Calabaro, Caballero, rather. Dante Caballero. Caballero. Dante's Inferno <laughs> and Joe Keyes <laughs> defeated Daniel Garcia and Kevin Blackwood. And the three Caballeros pinned Blackwood at 13 minutes and 20 seconds. Um, I think. Uh, so you. Pretty... Go ahead. You mock, but you pronounced it correctly there. <laughs> I don't like being corrected, fuckface. Um, anyway. <laughs> so, yeah, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, and Donald, and uh, Pacheco, <laughs> and Schmageggy. Um, this was, this as was long, a really good as, long as, as long as Scrooge McDuck shows up at some point. <sighs> DuckTales, woo! I actually <laughs> thought this was a pretty hard-hitting match. Um, these guys seem like they actually had, and maybe you can uh, shed some light on it, looks like they actually had a feud going, that, that there was some real uh, spit and blood going on. And then there was some, like, after-match promo that I didn't quite understand what was happening. But, you know, the crowd seemed to understand it. The guys certainly were, in, you know, heavily involved in the drama. And uh, at the very least, it made me pay attention from what I was doing. Uh, this was almost kind of like um, MMA style inside of a wrestling ring between these mm-hmm. four, and I think that that made it stand out. But um, if you if you take a look at two of the participants, Daniel Garcia, Red Death on AEW, okay. the guy that's uh, currently a part of the Jericho Appreciation Society, and was okay, stop for a second. I didn't watch Dynamite. I didn't know who any of those people were besides Jake Hager. What happened? Give me like fifty words or less. Uh, 2.0. Daniel Garcia aligned with Jericho after Jericho turned on the inner circle. Gotcha. Okay. That's what those people were. 2.0. Weren't 2.0 like good guys? Formerly ever. Yeah. Formerly ever rise in NXT. That's where I know them from. Okay. Okay. Welcome to Uh, old man tries to remember wrestling from (laughs) also known as also known as 3.0 when they were in Shakara, Shane, Big Magic, Shane Matthews, and Scott Jagged Parker. Nobody watched Shakara. It doesn't matter. Anyway. Um, <laughs> Shakara all the time. Hater. Um, all right. So, this yeah, this was very back MMA. The, in, go ahead. Yeah, back to the match real quick there. But, yeah, mm-hmm. Garcia, obviously, he's starting to get more seasoning. He was one of the people mentioned specifically by name in the Violence Incorporated promo that Danielson cut towards Moxley a couple of weeks ago. So okay. I would fully expect him to have a big run coming forward on on AEW TV, even more so now that he's aligned with Jericho. And Kevin Blackwood is like one of the guys in independent wrestling right now that everybody wants a piece of. Why? Because uh, everything he does looks so crisp. Okay, so he's kind of like the new Daniel Bryan. Uh, if you take a look at the uh, show that we'll cover a little bit later, we'll see Kevin Blackwood again. He was supposed right. to wrestle Malachi Black. Uh, yeah, so he ended up with Frankie Kazarian instead. All right, uh, in the mm-hmm. best match of, I think, both of these shows, quite frankly, um, in my opinion, I, I think this just about edges out the Jonathan Gresham, Mike Santana, uh, Jacob Fatu, AJ Gray match, which is which were all great, by the way. I actually really enjoyed the main events of both of these shows. But I actually think between the 17 different matches over the course of two shows, the best pound for pound, move for move, crisp TV ready match was uh, Serena Deeb versus Liza Hall, who won with a sunset flip counter. At 25 seconds of overtime with a 15.25 total. Uh, Serena Deeb, best women's wrestler, pound for pound, move for move. 
currently in wrestling today, and everything she does looks spot on. Deeb has been one of the best women's wrestlers in the world for a, the better part of two decades now. It's just she's finally starting to get more recognition as such. Mm-hmm. Uh, if she, if, if her demons would have been under control when she was in the WWE as part of the Straight Edge Society, she would have been unstoppable. You think so? You think they would have given her more of a run? Oh, absolutely. And then she had concussions in her career for a couple of years mm-hmm. as well because she was wrestling at, I think, a shine show in the Orpheum, which is in uh, Ybor City. I'm sure you're familiar being from the Florida area. I am. Um, the Orpheum has that hardwood floor. Mm-hmm. And she smacked the back of her head really hard against that hardwood floor there. And it, she had suffered a severe concussion, put her out for like three years. She's okay. just now, oh, uh, over the course of like the last year or so, she's just now starting to wrestle regularly again and has been just as good now as she ever was. Now, she was a trainer at NXT before like the great calling, wasn't she? It? Was. Wasn't she? Okay. She was. Um, Eliza Hall impressed the hell out of me. The only other time that I had seen her before was watching one of the uh, early Rise shows, and she's like super young in her career at that point. So, like, I didn't think anything special there. But uh, hanging step for step with the professor is mm-hmm. quite the accomplishment. Yeah, I, I really, really like this match. Um, it's a shame from what you're telling me that Serena Deeb had such a hard road to toe there. But yeah, Liza Hall kept up with her. I'll be interesting to see. Interested to see what Liza Hall does going forward. In our next match, Shane Strickland defeated Davey Richards by countout at 13 minutes and 8 seconds. They were going at a good clip here, and then they did this bullshit countout thing uh, finish, which I I was not in love with. But up until that point, I thought Shane Strickland and Davey Richards put on a solid match. All right, so my notes say Shane Strickland. We know him as Shane Strickland. His actual ring name on the show was Swerve the Realist, which is stupid, but... <laughs> As in Swerve, like the guy that just signed with AEW? Yes, that guy. That's okay, Shane. That's what I thought. Um, The guy is an absolutely phenomenal wrestler and one of my mm. favorites to watch. And it was nice to see him coming back out to Shaka Khan again because that was sorely missed in NXT. You know, I'll be curious to see what he does in AEW now that uh, now that he's there. I mean, granted, we're, we're tackling this almost a month after... Uh, the show debuted, and like since then, he's gone from Terminus to AEW. But as, as we well, can see, a lot of these AEW guys end up showing up on indie shows anyway. And not to mention, too, there's talk going around that Gresham might be signing with AEW, AEW for its relaunch of Ring of Honor anyway. So I right. wouldn't be surprised to see some kind of exchange of talent between the two promotions. Hey, let, yeah, let's take a quick minute here, because since we're, we're just about up to the last two matches here, we're kind of tearing through this card. We have Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham in the next two matches. But I wanted to get your opinion on that. Since the last time we talked, uh, it's come out that Tony Khan, AEW, has purchased the Ring of Honor assets, including the library and whatnot. Ring of Honor, Supercard of Honor, which I was telling um, the guys on the trivia show that you uh, slaked out on last night, uh, that that I cannot wait. Like, if nothing else, the Supercard of Honor, I am, like, super excited for because of the Briscoes and FTR. Like, I, I had been waiting with bated breath for FTR Young Bucks and was sorely let down by that match. I'm hoping the Briscoes and FTR is everything I've ever wanted to see in wrestling because I have been waiting forever for those two teams to mix it up. I am super excited about that match. Here's my biggest concern for uh, for Supercard. Here is this okay. is just an opportunity. This is just an opportunity to write the Briscoes out of ROH because of everything with Warner Media. 
Mm-hmm. Oh, you think? Well, you know, Jim Cornette brought that up that because of, I guess, tweets from a decade ago that he's already apologized for. They're not Wazooie. repeatedly. They're not Wazui about the Briscoes, and if the and if the AEW, you know, won't take the Briscoes because Warner Media is like you know bridge too far. Um, also, they're a hundred years old, and what w- what possible use are we going to get at them at this point? Where do you even see the Briscoes going at, at this point? Like, where, like, I guess they just kind of float around the indie scene. NWA, MLW, somewhere in that range. You think the, N- the NWA takes them for you know for a cup of coffee uh, and a sandwich? Are you saying that Billy Corgan's above promoting controversy? Because I'm definitely not. <laughs> that's, that's a fair point. Um, I can't believe the NWA promotion's still, the issue, still going. The issue with the Briscoes is it's not so much what he said, it's how he said it. Like okay, you I don't can even know what the were, so I don't I don't even know what the, what the context blatant, is. I just go ahead. <clears throat> Blat- blatant and severe homophobia. Okay. Was he wishing death on people or was it just like I don't yes. like gays? Okay. Oh gosh. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to hard to come back from that. So, something along the lines of uh Something along the lines of, if you teach my son that it's okay to like another boy, I will kill you. can see why Warner Media wants nothing to do with him. Let me just throw this out there. Sammy Guevara currently walking around with a title and is one of their premier guys. Talked about wanting to rape a woman. Openly. Gleefully. A a famous woman at that. Yeah, I'm aware. (laughs) I mean, I'm not saying one is better than the other. I'm saying let's have some internal consistency. If you if you're telling me, or that, at the, or at the very least, let's not act like douchebags. <laughs> well, here's the thing: if you're telling me that Mark Briscoe, it's Mark that uh, that made the homophobic comments. Yeah. I think it was Jay, actually. Jay, you're telling me that one of the Briscoes said horrendous anti-gay things, then apologized repeatedly for it, and it was ten years ago. But the guy who said, "I would quote." I would like to rape Sasha Banks, gets a slap on the wrist, and is currently running around in a high-profile spot in your company. I'm just saying one of these things should be like the other, and it currently isn't. Can we please have some consistency? That's my only point. I don't disagree with you. Moving on. Um, So Jay Lethal pinned Baron Black with the lethal injection at 35 seconds of overtime at 15 minutes and 35 seconds. Uh, Jay Lethal, man, I don't know what they're doing with him in AEW these days, but he's still a big ta- big time talent, still one of the best pound for pound wrestlers out there. Just needs a little, just wish he had a little size on him, and he might have gone a little bit further. Honestly, what they're doing with Jay Lethal is using him in the Ring of Honor reboot. Yeah, because um, the eight we, we the got AEW sidetracked, but I got to come back to that in a second. The AEW roster is just so overbloated right now that I think Khan buying Ring of Honor is not the worst thing that could happen because you basically saw what it was announced that he's going to use it more or less as a developmental like NXT style. Mm-hmm. But this is a developmental that has a reputation behind it. So there's an opportunity to send down some of your bigger names to it to work with these younger talents and get them more screen time and get them more TV time and allow some of these guys on your main roster that are maybe not the greatest promo cutters to go get some extra time as well. I meant to ask you, um, we, we got sidetracked with the whole Briscoe Brothers thing, which is currently in the news and a hot topic, but I did want to actually get your opinion. What did you think of uh, what Tony Khan, first of all, that Tony Khan bought Ring of Honor in the first place? I think it's the better of the two options in regards to where the video library could have ended up, just because if 
Evolve and Dragon Gate USA being bought by the WWE is any indication there would have been a couple of shows uploaded and then completely fucking forgotten about. <laughs> okay. So you're like better this than nothing is is your point. Pretty much. Because um, I, I are you I sad that are you sad that they, they couldn't stay an in independent that they ended up being absorbed by one of the big two? I'm not surprised. I, I think that they, I asked if you were sad about it. No, because I saw it coming. Okay. And the reason I saw it coming is because of the severe financial losses by Sinclair Broadcasting due to the uh, their attempt to get into the regionalized sports channel game. Okay. And that was the main reason that Ring of Honor went on hiatus in the first place was the fact that they lost so much money trying to do the uh, like like the Bally Sports and the uh, remember like the Fox Sports Ohio Fox Sports. You're in yep. Florida, so it'd be Fox Sports South, I think. Yes. So how they had the branded the, the branded uh, local Fox affiliates that would have like the baseball games and stuff. Uh, Sinclair tried to get involved in all of that too, but the problem is is those licensing fees for like the major league franchises for for baseball, for soccer, for whatever else that they have the license basketball in some instances were just so damn expensive that it put the company into the red. Um, I'm just writing something notes for TikTok later, so. Yeah, okay. I mean, uh, as far as my opinion on it goes, tiktok.com slash W2M network two in order to see whatever it is that Mark has planned. It'll also be on my personal one um, with stickers and fun little, fun little things. Anyway, I was just thinking about how there's just so many promotions out there right now. Like you rattled off a couple that the Briscoes could go to that I forget exist MLW and NWA there's only so many ways you can stretch the, the something that Jim Cornette brings up a lot is that the wrestling pie isn't getting any bigger. It's actually like retracting a lot of ways, but it's concentrated in a few areas. Yeah, I disagree. Um, you okay. Let, let, let's, let's, let's deal in factual numbers here. Let's look at the amount of people watching wrestling on the day WCW ran its last show where they announced that the WW the WWF had bought it. Do you March think twenty sixth, two thousand and one? It's a simple yes or no question, and I really don't have an answer here. I have an idea, but I don't. I don't have a specific answer. I don't have the numbers in front of me. But my question to you, Harry Broadhurst, is: Do you think there are more people currently watching wrestling today? Doesn't matter what the product is, just watching wrestling in general. Yes. Than there were on the day WCW ran its last show. Yes. Okay. What makes you say that? I feel like there are a multitude of options that didn't exist back then. I so think the, the the advent of streaming, I think the level, more people are watching because there's more access and, to And the level of variety in pro wrestling right now as well helps with that too. If you're into women's wrestling, you have companies like Shimmer, Shine, WWR. Okay, if you're into you hard those, hitting... But, but don't you think those people would have been watching WCW or WWE at that time? And I'm, 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 I believe that a lot of the people from those audiences have carried over into certain independent streams, into certain independent companies while getting away from the WWE slash W, whatever audience was left of WCW at that point. Because let's not forget that by the time WCW went out of business, it was only drawing like a million viewers a show. I realize that, and a lot of those people, a lot look, a lot of a lot of people stopped watching wrestling when WCW went out of business, but a lot of people carried Agreed. over the WWE. Remember, people stop watching over time. Like, it gets boring. They get older. They get, of course, they get, they get spouses. They get kids. They get homeless. Whatever the situation is, people don't watch. Most people don't watch for twenty to forty years 
straight through. They leave, they come back, they leave forever. Maybe, you know, maybe they come back when they have kids. My point is, if, I think if you look at, th- th- it's an interesting argument that you're making in that maybe it's the, you know, it's the same, if not more, they're just not all watching the WWE. They're watching. It's you know, not as concentrated it's a, it's a as it tail. used to be. Yeah, you're making the argument that it's more people, but it's a longer, it's over a long tail. It's, it's not, it's not siloed as, into one or two places. It's not as concentrated as it used to be. There's mm. so many different options now that people will pick their favorites, and certain people will take that to such an extreme. Well, if I watch this show, then I can't watch that show because reasons. I'm gonna make the counter argument, and since neither one of us have. I'm, I'm going to make my counter argument and we're going to move on because there's really no, there's no way for either one of us to know without looking at numbers. But I mm-hmm. I think in principle you're right, but I think in volume you're wrong because I agree that there's a vast number of people not watching the WWE but watching 50 zillion other promotions across mm-hmm. a handful of different streaming platforms. I'm right. 100% in agreement with that. But I think the total number of people actively watching wrestling over that long tail is less than the total number of people that were watching on the day WCW closed its doors. That's my, that's my thesis. There's not a whole lot to say back without actually looking at numbers. And I, and I agree with that, but at the same time, at Mm -hmm. the same time, my last thought on this, on that would be this here Mm -hmm. is wrestling is so much easily more accessible nowadays than it was back then too. Sure. Um, not, I think the, the point that I was bringing up was just to close out this part of the argument, we can get back to um, talking about Jay Lethal and Baron Terminus. Bond. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Is that with the long tail, there's you know, with the long tail and a finite number of people watching, there's only so many people that can support these businesses. And some of these, you know, and some of these businesses don't have large companies just floating them for, for tax purposes. Some of them have to actually make money. Going back to the Ring of mm-hmm. Honor thing. If not Ring of Honor, then it would have been another company that without a lifeline would have just fallen apart. There's only there's only so many eyeballs to go around to support these things financially enough, consistently enough. That's that's the only thing that I'm saying. So and that, all, that, all of that, that to say, I'm kind of glad that Tony Khan swooped in and saved Ring of Honor for what it's worth. Uh, my biggest thing is, is what's going to happen with Khan in the Ring of Honor archive, because I, I'm a subscriber to Honor Club. I would really like to see Honor Club stay and thrive because there's so much of a back catalog that they could put on there mm-hmm. that would keep fans like myself that grew up on that 2003, 2004, 2005 ROH run that we would be per- that we would be perfectly satisfied just sitting back and watching the old ROH shows even if the current product isn't of our interest. Did you I mean, hear, I like every Did you hear the um the rumor that they're trying to get a deal on HBO Max? HBO Max I have. So the whole trick with these streaming services, we talk about this on uh, on our TV and movie reviews, is the, the idea is to get you to sit down like Netflix. That's why Netflix launches a 10-episode show all at once, mm-hmm. is they want is they make more money the more you sit and watch the thing consecutively over. Yeah. If um, ring the, the Honor Club, as it's known to you, as a separate entity, may go away, but watch all that stuff get dumped onto HBO Max so that you, Harry Broadhurst, will now spend hours watching HBO Max because that's where the Ring of Honor content is. Well, the hope for that then is that they upgrade the user they upgrade the user interface on HBO Max because it's fucking garbage. <laughs> well, no argument there, sir. What did you think of Jay Lethal versus Baron Black? Uh, Baron, Bra- Baron Black really impressed me for not being super familiar with him. He's another one of those New South guys, those uh, Southern guys, similar to mm-hmm. uh, Adam Priest that we talked about earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
Black hung step for step with Lethal in this match. Obviously, Lethal is the better of the two performers. Lethal's way more polished. Lethal sure. has more charisma. But Black was able to hang for him step for step in the ring here. And I think that this a match like this, even though uh, Lethal picked up the victory going to the mm -hmm. overtime session, it's going to elevate Baron Black in terms of the viewpoint of either the Terminus fans or independent fans as a whole to see him hang step for step with an independent veteran like Jay Lethal. In our main event, the Ringer of Honor original title, Jonathan Gresham, I guess the other title is held by Bendito, uh, which Correct. title gets settled, that super card of honor. Uh, Jonathan Gresham took on Mike Santana. Boy, this was a great match until it ended. That that Jack Knight, <laughs> yeah, finish that finish at almost Ooh, 20 boy. minutes. Yeah, that finish with and, and it's so funny because Jonathan Gresham hits the finish, and then you know it's kind of a wet fart. I actually said that out loud. I kind of looked over at Melissa, who was like reading on the couch. And I'm like, oof, and she's like, What's the matter? I'm like, you should see the finish of this match. They like as my friend once said, this was like the best sex you'd ever had, and then the girl yelled, and just as you're about to finish, the girl yells, Ill get off me. That was my impression of Jesus. Yikes. A wet fart, um, man. That was terrible. Uh, were you a what culture person at any time? That's the British wrestling, isn't it? What culture wrestling? The uh, YouTube channel, specifically. What does the name it? King Ross mean anything to you? It doesn't, unless you're talking about friends, no. Okay, so King Ross was a guy on the What Culture channel that used to host a segment every week, every Every week after mm -hmm. Raw and SmackDown called WTF Moments, which okay. were things that made you, as you were watching, were things that made you sit there thinking, what the f just happened? Right. Literally, I'm sitting I'm sitting there, and we see the finish, and the referee just blow the f*** out of it. <laughs> and, I'm, and I'm sitting there looking at this like, what the fuck just happened? <laughs> it was bad, which is unfortunate, yeah. too, because Santana's always been a guy that can put in work. Santana, of course, Dude, Santana from, uh, looked great. And here's the thing: like him and the other mope that you know, that his tag team partner in LAX and AEW Ortiz, like they were so, like I think back hell to, Ortiz. I, I think back to the um, as, as Cornette called it, football field fuckery, you know, and just the the, the goofy crap that they did with uh, Stadium Stampede, yeah, Stadium Stampede, and all that, like. Like they're running AEW, they've had a handful of decent matches, but they've been such this goofy, goofy nutters that I never took him seriously. I'm like, dude, he's a solid wrestler here. Like he really, he went he um, to move with Gresham. So, how familiar are you with them outside of AEW? Not. Okay, then I highly recommend looking up EYFBO. Uh, you do that was there it up. EYFBO was their ring name on the independence. It stood, mm -hmm. okay, uh, language warning in advance. It stood for entertain your fucking balls off. Terrific. Uh, and Santana was known as Mike Drastic at the time before Mike, he became Santana. Mike Drastic? D R A Z T I K. Mike Drastic as opposed to, as opposed to Larry out of control. Got it. Sorry, go ahead. And then obviously uh, Ortiz was going by his his shoot name on Hell Ortiz. Okay. And just the two of them would tear it up in companies like Beyond and Freelance and other various organizations such as that. You have the IWTV subscription. The Beyond stuff is on there. It's well worth a watch if you get a chance to do so. Yeah, let me fit that the into my not busy schedule. <laughs> it's not my fault you do 63,271 podcasts a week oh buddy it's not the podcast taking up my time these days but that's a personal matter all right um so overall 
uh, other than the wet fart ending, dude, Jonathan Gresham may be three feet tall, but he's a solid hand, man. He's <laughs> he's he's a good little good little Jesus. shooter there. I'm look, look, I call it as I see it. You you got you know who you, he reminds me of. You know you know what you know. What, let me say to your little wrestling fans out there. Let me say to all your little indie wrestling fans that watch you to watch you come on this show and try to tell me what's what. You got beef. Eat a cheeseburger. I don't give a shit. I, I call it as I see it. Jonathan Gresham, this big. Okay? Well, he's a big guy. Hate, hate mail to s.garmer at gmail.com. Goddamn right. Uh, the thing with Gresham, you know who Gresham reminds me of? And I I was watching his during performance. Little Guido, actually. Ooh, yeah. He's a little beefier than Guido. Guido was a little toothpick, but... Um, that they, they both have Guido would the beat similar. the fuck out of you, though. Yeah, no, no, no. Like Guido, Guido for like you know ten pounds and in, in uh, three feet tall. What he he was sharp, man. And, he uh, he knew his shit. And that's the reason why I compared him to Guido instead of Taz, because Taz had like a bulkier frame. Yeah, Guido and Gresham had a similar body type, in my opinion. Uh, Gresham's a little bit more cut, a little bit more muscular. Mm -hmm. But it reminds me of that shooter, that Damian Stone shooter style, like the old UWFI promotion out of Japan, mm -hmm. where it was like uh, kind of that combination wrestling slash shooting. Uh, Billy Robinson, the catches catch can. So overall, I really like this Terminus promotion. I might tune into them again next time they, they do a show when we're not caught up doing 67 other collective shows for WrestleMania. But overall, <laughs> that's the damn truth. Oof. Uh, but overall, I really, really like the show. I was glad that uh, we decided we were going to do this and try to uh, yeah, change the, the schedule. Um, I'm going to go ahead and give it a give it a seven. It wasn't a lot of stupid nonsense. It wasn't indie-rific. It felt <clears throat> it felt like a solid, well-produced professional wrestling show. I'm just slightly above you at seven and a half, but I co-signed pretty much everything you just said. Definitely well worth the three. And not to mention, it didn't have that super long-ass runtime you get from some independent promotions as well for a show like this. Oh, my God. Yeah, some of these are interminable, even after they've edited out all the all the space in between. Like, look at a... Look at freaking PWG shows that used to run three and a half, four hours long for a bunch of spots, 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 spot fests. Ugh, I can't do it. We were um, Stuart and I did the uh, the Thor versus Eddie Hall boxing match that was held in Dubai yesterday, mm -hmm. and it, it kind of reminded me of some of these indie wrestling shows where, it, it, you know, what it takes more than a than a than a cell phone camera on a fucking tripod to do a show. People like you need to produce segments. You need to get things running timely. There was so much. I mean, it was supposed to start at. Uh, they were supposed to be in the ring at five o'clock. Our stream starting at 4.30 almost went two hours for a six-round show because they were, like, just shooting a static ring for a while, and then it was, it was such a mess. But it absolutely had, like, that independent wrestling feel to it where, you know, it, it, it like some of the GCW shows, as, as some of them are kind of well-produced, and then others of them just feel like they just set up someone's cell phone and, fit, you know, and, and had it just fed it live to whatever satellite or whatever as we've officially dubbed it indio clock indio clock you oof, you ain't kidding hey uh let's take a pause for the cause here and talk about one of our great sponsors that'll help you write your formats for your indio clock wrestling shows and that is grammarly for you listeners of tv party tonight our indie rific indie cider wrestling review show grammarly's offering a free download five. of the <laughs> of the Grammarly software. Gram <clears throat> 
Grammarly's AI-powered products help people communicate more effectively. Grammarly helps you write mistake-free on Gmail, Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and nearly anywhere else you write on the web. Grammarly corrects hundreds of grammar, punctuation, spelling mistakes while also catching contextual errors, improving your vocabulary, and suggesting style improvements. You download Grammarly today. Go to getgrammarly.com slash W2M network. Again, that's getgrammarly.com slash W2M network to download Grammarly for free. And in our next segment, we will be discussing West Coast Pro Wrestling, joining up with Prestige Wrestling to present Savage Mode, which took place on so, March 11th. Oh, go, yes. go ahead. Which took place on March 11th. Harrius interrupt us. Yes. <laughs> were you going to mention where it took place? Because this is important here, actually. Nope, because it's not on my format that you sent me. So why don't you say it, <laughs> Harry Broadhurst of the Screaming Boy podcast? San Francisco, which is rich in its wrestling history. I thought that was interesting that we finally got a uh, regular independent promotion returning to the San Francisco area. Very good. Isn't that where, where Piper uh, made his bones in the uh, Portland, um, Portland Pacific Northwest area? But wouldn't that also include San Francisco? Yeah, with um, uh, Pat Patterson's actually probably one of the most famous names to come out of the San Francisco area. All right, all right. All right. Um, we started off with 440, baby. Woo! Ricky Shane Page, who looks like he's put some weight back on again. Uh, Atticus, A little bit. Atticus Cougar and Eddie Only. They defeated Alpha Zoe, D Rogue, and Midas Krieg when Only pinned Rogue at nine minutes and 42 seconds. I was surprised they put them so early on in the card here they you know that it's and, and then not use them again the rest of the show like if you have a i'm gonna get to you but if you have 440 either weave them in throughout the show or put them on closer to the end it's weird that they started off this way go ahead i believe 440 had a flight to catch oh where were they headed uh back to the east coast remember this show's in california on a saturday i believe mm. i believe they were booked on the east coast on a sunday so they ended up having to wrestle early in order to be able to go get changed and get to the airport were they um, doing like a gcw so is, show one of the 58 gcw shows per month um might have been might have been gcw might have been um h2o which okay. is matt tremont's organization gotcha um, some something over on the East Coast, I'm sure. Though I know didn't, that uh, hang on, didn't didn't Matt Tremont retire and then keep wrestling for some strange reason? Uh, Terry Funk, uh, Mick Foley, uh, Sabu, <laughs> Rick Flair. I mean, take your pick on any number of different wrestlers in that regard. Who <laughs> don't know what retirement means? Um, with all due respect to the departed Scott Hall, retirement equals death in pro wrestling. No shit. All right. Um, so they had a plane to catch. What'd you think of this match? The match was okay. It was it played off of the prior month's show for West Coast Pro, which we obviously didn't cover, but in that match, it was the same six participants, although I think actually Eddie only replaced Bobby Beverly in this match. Mm -hmm. But um Ricky Shane Page pinned uh D Rogue with a low blow into a roll-up. Uh Rogue was about had uh Ricky Shane Page cornered, and Eddie only blind tagged himself in, and then Sunset flipped with the hook of the trunks which I didn't mention on my format there, but that was the finish only pinning rogue with a handful of trunks on that, on a sunset flip for that finish at nine minutes and 42 seconds. And our second, so they kind of played, they kind of played off of the previous month's uh, spectacle in order to set up this one right here. And then they just set up a return match for these two teams for the next, I think prestige show, maybe. Okay. 
Um, Sonico pins MV Young and AMF uh, with a 187 DDT at 8 minutes and 10 seconds. Uh, fuck me sideways. I don't remember a damn thing about this match. Uh, I remember Dark Sheik on commentary and being awful, but we'll <laughs> ignore that for now. You, you, overall, don't, I, you don't get to talk badly about Dark Sheik, sir. Dark Sheik is, is a fine person and respected throughout the wrestling community, and I'll not have you besmirch Dark Sheik. I am an ally, sir. I am an ally of the community. I'm an ally, too. That doesn't stop the commentary from sucking. Listen, you can't talk about Dark Sheik sucking anything, sir. We are allies of the community. Nope. (laughs) Nope. Don't you bring it up, no Dark Sheik sucking things. I will have it. mratilage at gmail.com for that one. (laughs) Nope. You are on your own on that boat. I am, Anyways, back to I the match. I am an ally of Dark Sheik, sir. Um, honestly, it's kind of just there. Mm-hmm. Like I've heard good things about Sonico. MV Young has quite the following. Uh, that Polyam Cult, those Polyam Cult shows that have been on uh start, Fight TV. Start again? What? Polyam Cult. Polyamorous Cult. Okay. He has. MV Young has a promotion called Polly Am. The shows have aired on Fight, similar to Effie and his big gay brunch. I need to talk about this. So, are you telling me there's an indie promotion that is focusing on polyamorous wrestlers? Please tell me that that's what you're telling me. That there's a polyamorous specific. I am unfamiliar with what the focus is because I haven't watched any of the shows. Um, we may need to talk just at length about this. Okay. Jesus. Uh, All right. We'll I, talk off air. I, I need to know if there's an indie promotion because I have friends I have to tell this to. And I and I need to confirm that there's a polyamorous. <laughs> 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 that there's a poly. We've officially broken Mark Rattledge here on oh, the Indie Fighters. Yeah, you podcast. did. There's Hold on. Let me pull up the cage. I'm I'm pulling up the cage match. I'll send it to you off air. Okay. I just want to be clear. You're telling Focus me there may, or may not be a polyamorous wrestling company that airs its shows on fight. Un Uncanny Attractions Polyam Cult Party Three is the most recent one by the way. Okay, but you're not answering my question. Because Effie's Big Gay Brunch focuses on the LGBTQI community. So there's very, there's, and it's also a little on the naughty side, as I was trying to explain to somebody else the other day, uh, where, what's, what's the, what's the little kid's name that wrestles, uh, that was in Jurassic Express? Marco Stunt. That's the one, where Marco Stunt wrestled. Effie and I was trying to say this in a nice way because we were doing a boxing, you know, a high class boxing commentary. So I didn't want to get too dirty. And I believe the way that I phrased it, which cracked up one of my friends, was that there was toy play involved. <laughs> oh, the dodo being involved. Ah, oh, Jesus, Harry. <laughs> I've seen the match here. Yeah, so there was there was a lot. Dodo is the classy way for me to put that. <sighs> there was a lot of toy play involved. Toy play. That's that's the nice way to say it. So anyway, Effie's Big Gay Brunch, as we know, focuses on the LGBTQI community. 
and features a lot of uh, various wrestlers from uh, throughout the LGBTQI community. What are you showing me? The cage match for it. It's it's there have been four polyam cult party shows. Okay, that doesn't that doesn't answer my basic question. I'm gonna have to do just research on this on my own, and we'll have to. You are because I've never seen these shows. Okay, all right, all right. I'm done with this bit now. We can move on. Um, why do I know? (laughs) Hey Harry, how was your show? I fucking hate Mark. I just hate him. Um, uh, why do I know the names? And now I have to go do. Now I have to go deal with Watkins' shenaniganery once I'm done here. Well, the sooner we get done, the sooner you can go sit in Watkins' lap and and deal with his shenanery. Um, why do I know the names Nicole Savoy and Shazza McKenzie? Especially Shazza McKenzie. That sounds very familiar. Nicole Savoy is a former Shimmer champion. Okay. Shazza McKenzie is a former Heart of Shimmer champion, as well as one of the uh, one of those Australian females that was kind of making waves here in the U.S. around the same times as a Jesse McKay and a Peyton Royce. Back okay, when Peyton one of them was do, still. Did either one of them have a cup back, of coffee in NXT? Uh, Shazza did. Yes. Do I know the name from? Okay. Well, they had a Nicole. Nicole Savoy was in one of the May Young Classics. That also might be why I know that name. Um, all right. Uh, so Nicole Savoy pinned Shazza McKenzie, bridged half and half at nine minutes and 27 seconds. Uh, I, it seemed like an okay match. I actually don't remember a lot of it. Match was solid. The finish looked brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're not familiar with the half and half suplex, uh, for those of you listening at home, if I mean, if you're listening to us, you're probably familiar, but for those uninitiate, uninitiated, the half and half, you happen to have wandered into this podcast going, I just like the sound of the one guy's voice. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. A half and half suplex is a half Nelson, which is a hook of one of the arms behind the head and an arm capture behind the other one. Okay. So basically Nicole Savoy dropped Shazamus. Shazza McKenzie square on the back of her head. <laughs> Terrific. Vinny Massaro pinned Robert Motter with a snoring elbow. Did you mean to write snoring elbow? Yes, that's what he calls it. Okay. At 13 minutes. It's exactly what you think it is. Masato Tanaka's roaring elbow. He calls it the snoring elbow. I love okay, so I have to ask you this, actually, because you being of XPW history. Is it about was Vinny Massaro still, Was Vinny Massaro still with XPW while you were there? That name sounds vaguely familiar, so maybe. Uh, Masaro's been around in that West Coast independent scene since, God, the early days of XPW that I can remember. I can remember watching him on XPW TV back when I was in high school, and that was, fuck, 2001, 2002? Mm-hmm. Okay. Um in one of our championship fights, we got the prestige tag belts on the line when C4 won a three-team tag against uh, when uh, Guillermo Rosas pinned Luster the Legend at 11 minutes and 47 seconds. All right, so C4 is uh, Guillermo Rosas and Ch- and Co- Cody Chun. Mm-hmm. The other two teams involved were Reno Scum, which is Luster the Legend and Adam Barstow, who you might remember from Impact Wrestling. They had a cup of coffee there. Okay. And the other team was Jarrell Nelson and fuck, I'm going to blank on the other guy's name. Give me a second. Let me look that up. Okay. Go ahead and talk. Well, well you talk you, about the match. I'll look it up. Um, it was a pretty solid match. Uh, this one might have been the more indie-rific of the whole bunch that I watched this weekend between these two. 
a lot of spots, a lot of high impact, dynamic wrestling. Um, this certainly kept the crowd invested. They were hooting and hollering throughout this, and it was about midway through the show, so the crowd hadn't completely lost steam just about yet. Uh, I thought it was a pretty good match, though. West Coast Wrecking Crew, Jarrell Nelson and Royce Isaacs, who was actually in Ring of Honor for a cup of coffee as well. All right. Any thoughts on the match before I move on? The match itself was okay. Very spot heavy, but you kind of expect that in a three-team tag. They yeah. did set up uh, Reno Scum versus West Coast Wrecking Crew because apparently Adam Barstow or Adam Storm Thornstow, excuse me, my apologies for getting his name incorrect. Uh, he's getting ready to retire and um, the West Coast Wrecking Crew basically said that you don't have to worry about going into retirement. We'll put you there for you. <laughs> okay. Uh, in our sixth match on this card, it Mike Bailey uh, pinning Nick Wayne uh, with the Flamingo Driver at 11 minutes and 37 seconds. Is this the one I was thinking of where the one guy hit the crazy Spanish, running Spanish fly? Is that this match? Or is that another match? I believe so. Yeah, that was like the, the one thing that stood out to me was... um. Oh, is this also the one where the one of these guys is like a karate dude and was throwing shitty kicks? Yes. Oh, That's Mike Bailey. Oh, my God. <laughs> like, on the one hand, worst worst attempt at, like, shoot martial arts, like, adapted to pro wrestling I've ever seen. Those kicks look like my son when he's not trying and he's trying to, like, beat up on his bigger sister. On the other hand, so, that running Spanish fly looked dope. Uh, so now would be a bad time to tell you that Mike Bailey's a second degree black belt oh, and he was intentionally wins. pulling pulling those strikes. Okay, well, you know what? <laughs> Learn from Ken Shamrock and Dan Severn how to work your shoots into into works, okay? Because that sucked. Um, okay, so a couple of things about this match that stood out to me. Oh, yeah. One, that finish was fantastic. I had never seen it before. Mike Bailey's finish is one of the prettiest looking moves in pro wrestling. It is a cross-legged uh, one-winged angel. He lifts okay. the opponent up onto his shoulders, crosses the legs, hooks the head, brings them down into the canvas with the one-winged angel. He calls it the flamingo driver because they basically look like a flamingo with the legs crossed, propped up on the shoulders. Hey, we're running uh, low on time here. I know you got to get to another thing, so let's move on. Uh, Titus Alexander pins Alex Shelley with a roll-up with the tights. Ooh, this pissed the crowd off. Ooh, doggy. Uh, they did not want Titus Alexander to pin Alex Shelley. Why or why is that Harry Broadhurst? Because Shelley's the big name here, and Titus Alexander is a relative unknown. Uh, I thought Alexander was impressive, honestly. And mm -hmm. I think they ran this back the following night in a three-way for the uh, title as well that I believe, I haven't watched the show yet, but I believe Shelley regains the belt the following night. Why would they hotshot the title back and forth like that then? Especially <laughs> if it's a relative unknown and not like... You know, and a kind of thing that they you would build to, or you know, or try to create an angle out of. That seems silly. I think the idea behind it was to put some steam on Alexander and to give Shelley a uh, fight from underneath aspect for tomorrow. The fact that he was pissed off and coming for revenge. So what happened? Because I can confirm after. I can't confirm after looking up the results. Shelley does regain the, the belt the next day at um, as real as it gets. All right. Why did Malachi Black miss the show and we got Frankie Kazarian instead? Injured. Oh, like injured, injured, or just couldn't make the show injured? In, injured, injured as in suffered an injury at Dynamite and AEW pulled him. Got you. Um, how long is he out for? Um, he's actually back wrestling again already. 
Oh, Jesus Christ. Okay. That was quick. It did more of a more of a precautionary pulling rather than an actual war deep concern. All right. Kazarian tapped Kevin Blackwood at 14 minutes and one seconds. What'd you think of this match? Uh again, Kevin Blackwood. He's one of those guys on the independent scene to keep an eye out on. He's worked dark a couple of times. He's worked on elevation a few times. He's been on NXT NXT TV before. I just saw him in, in a Smash Wrestling show that I was just watching as well recently, dude. This this kid's getting his name out there. Kazarian, it was really nice to see him in a unwatered down version, just because the AEW version of Kazarian ever since the breakup of SCU has been just so non-existent. Because he had that elite hunter thing for a little bit, and then he just disappeared. Yeah, um, maybe they'll throw him onto the Ring of Honor stuff to kind of have a you know a big name there because they have nothing else to do for him. All right, last we could re we could reunite SCU and Ring of Honor with him and Daniels, the addiction or the bad influence. Call them what you want to. For the West Coast Pro Heavyweight Title, Jacob fought two big meaty men slapping meat. Uh, pinned AJ Gray with the SB Killing Moon, best moon salt ever. Fourteen minutes and five seconds. Uh, I know AJ Gray from GCW, right? Yes, you do. He is the okay. GCW Extreme Champion. That's what I thought. I knew that name sounded familiar. Love he Jacob also won the, uh, He also won the brass ring uh, ladder match at the uh, World on GCW that we covered That's on right. like episode two. This this was good, man. Like Jacob Fatu like eats people up, man. He's a he's a big tough dude, big meaty man slapping meat. But I'm AJ really su I'm really surprised Fatu Jacob Fatu's not under an NXT deal right now. I thought the problem with Jacob Fatu was the felonies and the inability to travel into Canada from what Jim Cornette said. See, I I had never heard anything about a felony there, but that would make sense just because of well, but didn't they have uh they had MVP on the they have MVP on the roster right now and he has the same issues. He might not be traveling overseas if that's the case. He's not traveling overseas. So I mean you you put Fatu down in NXT in order to work him up and then you can bring him up to the main roster from there. You could still mm -hmm. figure out a way to write maybe, him off if necessary. Because I know he's I'm maybe they're full I'm up on Samoans. I I don't know. Well, that's the thing though, with the bloodline faction that they're doing now. Mm -hmm. You have that solos you have that solo Sokoa kid in NXT right now, who I'm not sure if you're familiar with how much 2.0 you're watching or whatever. I'm not. Solo Solo Sokoa is Jimmy and Jay Uso's little brother. Mm -hmm. And then uh, Jacob Fatu is uh, their cousin. I believe he, he. I believe Jacob Fatu might be Roman's brother. Actually, I don't know. Um, it, it's a weird company right now, and you know, it, it doesn't seem like a, a big part of what they talked about with the great culling was that they don't really want wrestlers anymore. They want uh, they want athletes that they can train to be wrestlers. So you know, Jacob Fatu might just have too much indie stink on him for them to be bothered. Not to mention, too, like you said, the issue with the legal troubles. And based on the post match promo that based on the post match promo that he cut, he's not exactly very PG either. No, he is not. Um, I would like to see him show up in either Impact or AEW. Uh, I know he's with ML MLW right now. Uh, at least he was last time I checked. Um, I think he, Didn't he just lose the MLW heavyweight title. Yeah, I think he lost it to Alexander Hammerstone, big, big who's a uh, Pat Mullen, big, huge fan of Alexander Hammerstone. How, Alexander Hammerstone's one of the few people out there right now who legit looks like an old school wrestler, like like an like an eighties, early nineties, big time, you know, big, strong, muscular, hot looking man wrestler, which we don't see a lot of. Everyone either looks like Daniel Bryan or Jacob Fatu, and there's nothing in between. Or Jonathan Gresham, three feet tall and muscular. Alexander Hammerstone is a man, big old man, just a big, meaty, muscular, glistening man. And that's what we need in wrestling. 
more Alexander Hammerstones, less Jonathan Gresham. Jay, Bris Jay Briscoe would hate you right now. I don't give a shit what Jay Briscoe hates or likes. I'm an ally <laughs> of the Dark Sheik. So... <laughs> Yeah, well, just keep, keep Dark Sheik off a of commentary and we'll be just fine. That's fine. All right, folks, that is our uh, Indie Riffic, Indie Ciders, Pro Wrestling, Independent Real Wrestling quick, Review. Before we get out of here, what was your score for Savage Mode? Oh, um, I didn't like it as much as Terminus, so I'm going to go ahead and say six. Six out, of, uh, six out of ten. I would put it as seven. I would put it as seven, slightly below Terminus as well. I think the main event on this show was better than the main event in uh, for Terminus. I thought well, that yeah, it didn't two end and badly. Eight, at least this one ended okay. That, yeah, it did, uh, I thought fought two in uh, AJ Gray was better than uh, mm -hmm. Gresham and Santana. But I do think that overall, top to bottom, the Terminus show was much more consistent than the West Coast Pro Show. For my first time watching West Coast Pro Wrestling, though, I came away with a takeaway of this is a promotion that I am willing to pay attention to going forward. And I think for a first-time viewer such as myself, such as yourself, that is the modus operandi for an independent promotion, to dry, to bring in people as they watch these shows and get them invested in the product. And, it, and mission accomplished in that sense for me. Before we go, I want to remind everybody we are giving away a free 30-day trial of Amazon Music Unlimited. Head to getamazonmusic.com slash W2M Network. Make sure you complete the sign-up process, um, and you will get your free 30-day trial on us. You can listen to Shaka Khan and practice your walkouts like Swerve did. Uh, you, can, you can go back and listen to all the great wrestling intros and music. I just got finished watching WrestleMania 18 and 19, and there was a whole lot of Limp Bizkit and saliva on those shows. You can check those bands out as well. What are you doing? So again, get amazonmusic.com slash W2M network. All right. So here's what we're doing. Speaking of allies of the dark chic, uh, we've got two shows coming up in April and one at the very, 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 very beginning of May. I know Harry wants to try to jam another one in there. Uh, I don't know if we're going to be able to do that, but we will definitely bring you at least one more show in the month of May. Uh, we just have to figure out what that's going to be. Uh, right now, we've got Effie's Big, Big Gay Brunch 2022 from this year's collective during WrestleMania weekend. And a show, uh, Harry and I talked about the occasionally putting pulling a show from uh, years past, uh, independent shows from a little ways back. And I have been wanting to watch the Fear of the Gay Agenda show featuring the death match between Paro and Effie for a really long time now. And now I can. And I figure if I'm going to watch it, we should talk about it. So April 4th at 11 o'clock, just after the Raw after WrestleMania ends, I'm going to drag oh Harry gosh. into a dark alley. Me and the Dark Sheik, we're going to talk about with Harry. Effie, okay, the Dark Sheik won't be there. She'll be there in spirit, though. They'll be there in spirit. Uh, Effie's Big Gay Brunch and Fear the Gay Agenda featuring Paro versus Effie in a death match, the all gay death match. So I'm really looking forward to that show. And if you're like, yeah, it's not really my thing. Well, here's something that you'll like. On April 10th <laughs> at nine o'clock, uh, we will be talking Joey Janela's Spring Break Nights One and Two from Very Same Collective featuring John Moxley on the card. Be, and then, be forewarned. Be forewarned, those two spring break shows are probably going to be four hours each. Ugh, I hate you. Um, and then on May 1st, we will be wrapping up our look at the collective. Um, I know it's, it's quite a big break between April 10th and May 1st, but that's the only way it was going to work. Uh, two more shows from the collective that I wanted to talk about, and I'm making Harry talk about them with me. 
our Bloodsport 2022, and for the culture, because hashtag Black Folks uh, 2022. So uh, that's all of our Indie Cider shows for uh, April and May for WrestleMania weekend that we'll be doing. The hope is to fit another show during the course of the month of May, the best of the rest of the collective. Yes, uh, we just need to fit down. We, there's two shows that we definitely talked about. If ever Pro Wrestling Guerrilla gets their uh, Battle of Los Angeles 2022 uploaded to their uh, to their rinky-dink website, we'll find a date to do, talk about that. High Spots Wrestling Network usually carry P- carries PWG shows. Right. Um, and then, yes, we will look at the dates in May to do the best of the collective since we're going to watch all the shows anyway. But I wanted to focus on those Uh i wanted to focus on those four shows well four uh five no four joey janela joey janela is one show effie is one show for the culture is one show blood sports one show four joey joey janela is two shows no that's bullshit it's one show it's just split over two nights like wrestlemania (laughs) it's one show that they can't it's like one night. It's going to be like nine fucking hours is what it's going to it's be. It's going to ruin my life. Um, <laughs> damn you, Joey Janela. <laughs> damn you. Damn your eyes. Other wrestling things we're doing. Uh, WrestleMania weekend are as follows. Um, Bill Yankovy, who did make the trivia show because he's not a flake and makes promises and then breaks them, uh, will be doing the super card. I'm only a little passive aggressive. Um He'll be doing a alternative commentary for the Ring of Honor Supercard of Honor that we've been talking about all show. Uh, Bill Yankovy from that wrestling show, whose show we syndicate here on the W2M Network. We'll be doing an alternative commentary for that. Chris Sheehan and I will be doing a commentary for uh, NXT Stand and Deliver 2 um, at noon on April 2nd. And then uh, we'll be doing a uh, Podsman alternative commentary for WrestleMania 38 day one and then day two, April 2nd and April 3rd. So that's all the wrestling coming up here. Uh, plus, we've got a mania of WrestleMania this Wednesday. It'll be myself, Pat Mullen, possibly Neil Blom Camp, maybe from uh, movies that don't suck and some that do. And hey, Stuart Lang thinks he might be uh, joining the show. Maybe, maybe not. So we'll see what happens. All right, Harry, quick do your plugs and let's get out of here. Tell you what, you tell whoever won that trivia thing that I will be waiting for them whenever we can make the schedules work. Oh, well, my my sexy wife with her sexy, sultry voice provided the uh, scorekeeping and guest hosting. She was like the Vanna White of that show. So now there's there's already plans to do another one of these for next WrestleMania. So maybe if you start planning it now, you'll have your night open and, you know, you can coordinate that with your or program. alternatively we could actually set up a trivia league here on the religion broadcasting network i'm not doing anything you talk that you talk that with I, you you talk it up with jesse starcher of the source material podcasts you do your own thing i'm not involved i i've worked with i've worked with mr starcher before i'm sure we could probably make that happen anyways um po- point of viewer usually sunday nights we actually get ready to go live once we finish up this episode of the indiesiders we continue the greatest sports movie of all time with our f- with our football and basketball brackets of the first round tonight uh life is like a game show tuesday nights here on the w2m network we continue prices right month on life is like a game show as we cover the internationals the syndicated and the primetime specials this week 
Um, the Broadhurst Walk and Sports Report, episode three. The rebracket is this Thursday. And there may be alternate commentary depending on if the Jayhawks play on Thursday or Friday. We may also talk about Kansas's game in the Sweet 16 while we do the rebracket and cover a variety of topics in the world of sports over on the Broadhurst Walk and Sports Report. For the big, sexy Harry Broadhurst, I'm the heartbreak kid. Boy, is that true these days. <laughs> Mr. Mark Rattledge, be well, be safe, and behave.